God, you've brought together your church. God, you've brought all of us into this place this morning, and I pray for every one of us, however we've entered into this room, whether being Christians our entire life or maybe just coming here by accident. Someone invited us here. We don't even know who you are. God, I pray that you reveal yourself to each and every one of us today in this place as we stand or as we sit here. I pray that you will encounter us as God of the universe, creator of everything that we know. God, that if we come in here with questions, you will begin to reveal your spirit to us. You begin to reveal the truth of who you are to us. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit is thick in this place. That every single one of us in this room, our, our hearts will be opened, our minds will be open, our hands will be open, and God, we'll, we will receive you in here. God, I know that there's people right now in this room going through very difficult things. Confusing life things. God, may our prayer be that those things don't drive us, but you drive us. That our situations don't drive us, but God, your face and who you are drives us. That the God of the Bible will come alive. That the circumstances of today just won't mean that much as we look at the face of our King. So God, I pray in here that we would just spend a couple moments in silence, just putting any distractions in our hands and saying, God, please take this from us. Putting any questions we may have about who you are in our hands and say, God, please reveal your true identity to us today. As we come together to focus in on you. Church, I pray that we sing through this song, just, just the chorus of this song, one more time, and with our hearts make this a prayer. We want more of you, God, and who you are. So we'll spend a couple moments just in silence, you and God, just talking, just making this a prayer. God, we pray that you pour out your spirit in here. God, we want more of you, who you are. God, set a fire in our soul in this place. God, in this place, we want more of you. We want to see who you are. God, we give you our lives. Thank you for bringing us together in this room today. We're excited to gather. We're excited to continue to worship. We're excited to open up your word and learn more about who you are. Thanks for this opportunity. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, you can go ahead and have a seat this morning. Um, if you're a first-time guest, welcome to Church Project. Uh, we're going through the book of Luke. We've been going through it for a couple, well, years. <laughs> so we're not going to finish it today, but we're getting close. We're nearing the end of the 23rd chapter, which is really good. Uh, if you uh, need a Bible, we have Bibles over on the lamps, over on the right and on the left. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, we want this to be um, our gift to you. So you can just raise your hand and someone will bring over a Bible for you. Uh, but we are so glad that you are here today. We're a big family. Uh, we share life together. We pray for each other. We laugh together. We do, well, Jeremy and I used to call these things called stupid things. 
you know, where you go out and just do random things that are just a lot of fun. And Jeremy said, why don't, we, why don't we change it? And so instead of calling them stupid things, we'll call them acts of awesomeness. Is that what you said? Acts of awesome, Feats of awesomeness? Something like that. That just sounds better. We do life together. And yes, we do crazy things. And one of the crazy things that we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the oldest member, member of Church Project's birthday today. And he's probably not going to like it, but I really don't care. He's, he's my grandpa. He's 88 years old. No, 89 years old today. And grandma is 88 today. So you're going to see him leaving it a little early. He has his happy birthday pin on. But I would love if we can sing happy birthday to our 89-year-old church project grandpa. Uh, so you can just say grandpa when the name's there, okay? So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Grandpa. Happy birthday to you. Uh, If you've been around Church Project, you know who Grandpa is. If not, go give him a hug. He's a great guy. Uh, So I have a question. Is my shirt um, blue or white? (laughs) Are my pants gold or... Yeah, uh, if you don't know, you'll find out eventually, but welcome. We're glad that you're here. We are, we're going to jump right in. We're going to go through Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 39 through 43. What we've been doing, uh, we started last week, is we, we took the sayings that Jesus is now, he's on the cross now. The part of Luke that we've been going through, Jesus is, is on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. And there are seven things that he says while he's on the cross. And what we did is last week we looked at the first thing. This week what we're going to do is we're going to look at the second thing that Jesus says while he's on the cross. And it's going to culminate all the way into our our Easter service a few weeks away. Powerful statements that Jesus reveals the nature of who he is, the character of who he is, the heart of who he is while he's hanging on the cross, dying a brutal death for every one of us. So today... If you would, look at Luke chapter 23, verse 39. We'll start and follow along. I'm reading out of the ESV version. This is what it says. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Verse 40. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done, noth- uh, has done nothing wrong. Verse 42. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, today you will be, be with me in paradise. As he hangs on the cross, he's talking to one of the other two guys, one on his right and one on his left. I mean, I imagine it doesn't take much imagination to, to wonder what he's feeling, physically feeling. The pain that he's going through as nails are through his, his hands or his wrists and his feet, and he's up on a cross, and he's, he's talking with the guy next to him, and the guy next to him says something, and you see the heart of the king come out. And he says, as he's going through intense pain, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me. In paradise. So the Bible is a big Bible. There's a lot of stories in there. There's a lot of words in there. And as I was going through this passage this week, you know what kept coming to my mind? This is one of the most vivid redemption stories in the Bible. This is a beautiful, beautiful story. Because the Bible, the entirety of the Bible covers things from the very beginning. We get to see creation, and, and it's, a, it's a story all about this. The whole Bible is the creation. God created the creator of everything. We see fall. We see man going against God. And now we're seeing right here the thing that we call redemption. The thing where Jesus buys back, he purchases, purchases back what he's created. And as we're sitting here in this story, Put yourself into the smell that you're smelling in this story. Lose yourself in the context of this. Imagine what it would be like to be in this setting as Jesus 
is showing us one of the most beautiful and vivid demonstrations of redemption. And how that causes each and every one of us to think about him, to think about his word, and to think about our lives, should put a smile on our face. Seeing how much that Jesus loves this thief, the guy who deserved to die on the cross next to him, look how much Jesus loves him. And look at the words he says. He says, today you will be with me in paradise See, Jesus, as he's on the cross, he's taking on our guilt and our shame that was caused by our sin. He's taking that on. Sin, in the Old Testament, for either Christians or pagans, sin required a sacrifice. Didn't matter if you called yourself a Christian or not. If you had sin, even in the Greek religion, then you had to have a sacrifice to cover that. There had to be pure blood that was poured out on behalf of your sin. And so sin requires a sacrifice. And here we see as Jesus hangs on the cross, the final sacrifice. The innocent blood of Jesus willingly accepting the guilt of humanity as he hangs on the cross. As he speaks to the thief next to him, says, today you will be with me in paradise. So I have a question for you. I just said, yeah, you, whatever. I have a question for y'all. I can't say that. Uh, How many of you have ever been pulled over? Yeah, isn't that a good feeling? That is, that, is so, that is so awesome. If you've been pulled over, if you've ever been pulled over, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's that moment where you see the lights come on and, the, and, 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 and you like kind of pull over thinking, maybe he wants to go around me or something. You know, that last hope, you're hanging on to that. You know, the, the, the cop pulls you over and you, 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 you immediately, if you're like me, your heart just goes to like 250 beats a second. Like, you're, you're just going crazy. Anyone there or is that just me? Anyone? Okay. So if you've been pulled over, you can't lose the cop. They pull you over. They're coming up to the window. You're getting, you're getting a little nervous. And, you know, whether, whether the officer says whatever at the window doesn't matter. You know, if, if you're a lady, you're really going to smile and talk really nice and be like, oh, please try it. No, you'll bat your eyes. And I'm trying to teach Zoe and Audra how to bat their eyes when they're pulled over. You know, maybe it'll get them out of a ticket. If you're a guy, you get less aggressive. You know, you're not like, Ugh. well, hopefully you do. You know, but... <laughs> But if you've ever been pulled over and you've ever been in that moment right now, it is a sick feeling, especially when they come up and go, sir, ma'am, you know, I clacked you for going 10 over. And you're thinking, well, a block ago, I was 15 over, you know, so, all right, that's, that's good. But you're getting pulled over right there. And then the officer comes back. If this has ever happened to you, it's like moments where just all the stars are aligned perfectly or something. And, and they just say, I'm going to give you a warning today. Anyone ever had a warning? No, Jeremy, never. Kendall. <laughs> Lauren gets them all the time. I get them occasionally. But here is the deal. That warning thing. It's like, yes, I'm going to go to Chuck E. Cheese and celebrate. Like, and, and, you know, the officer, she, she might walk back or he might walk back to the car and you immediately just peel out. They take off. And, like, this is awesome. But let's take this story just one step further, okay? Let, let's, let's, let's imagine at this moment right now that the officer, she actually writes herself a ticket for your speeding. This is what we're talking about. Like, you get to peel out. You're free, set free. You deserve a 10, 15, 20 mile an hour ticket. I mean, your, your actions deserve that. But the love of that officer, as she came up and said, I'm going to give you a warning, but what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to write myself a ticket for your speeding action. Have a good day. This is a poor example, but you might get it a little bit here. What we're talking about as Jesus is hanging on the cross He's saying, you deserve, you, you deserve death, by the way, because you're imperfect. I, I am a perfect God. I've sent my son for you to die for you. So I'm going to accept that speeding ticket. 
that you deserve. I'm going to hang here on the cross that you deserve. And we get to see the heart of Jesus as he's speaking to the thief next to him. We see his heart, and I'm, I, I'm reminded of a couple verses, and you can write these down or flip over to them, but Galatians 3.13, beautiful verse, Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It's huge. In a culture where sacrifice, you had to have sacrifice for your sin, it was all about the law. It's about following the law to the T and to the I and following it perfectly. And Jesus says, yeah, here's the deal. No one's going to be able to follow all the law. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the curse of that on myself. Galatians 3.14 continues, says this, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So we have this wonderful law that we can't amount up to. All these rules and all these regulations. And Jesus says, it's not by that, it's by faith in my son that I've sent that's dying on the cross for you that you will be redeemed. And then we turn to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That in him, Jesus, hanging on the cross, the one we're studying right now, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So when we follow Jesus, he lives in us. He bears all the weight of all the sin and we become righteous before God, so that he will get the glory and he will get the credit as we walk through life. Do you see this picture? Do you see how much God loves you, how much he has sacrificed for you? And as Christians, he lives in you, he moves in you. We are God walking around as his spirit is in us, not because we just deserve it or because we're that good, but because he loves us. He redeems us. He buys us back. I want to look at a couple verses here. Verse 39, 40, 41, 42, and then I want to land on 43. And so we're going to fly through these verses. But look at 39. One of the criminals who was hanging railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. How do you like that double negative question? How do you answer that? Here's the question. Are, are, are you not the Christ? Yes, I am not. Wait, no. No, I am not, what? It's a confusing question. Are are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. We have the double negative question there. And, and, And look at even his question, how he phrases that and the wording that he says here. In essence, if you look at that, you can see the heart of the guy that's asking this question. And he's saying, God, what can I get out of you? Do you see that? If you're not the Christ, save yourself and us. Thank you, Cosmic Santa Claus. We approach God. Whether we are believing in him or following him or not, and we treat him like this Cosmic Santa Claus, and we say, God, what can you do for me? And here we see it, this man hanging on the cross. The fact is this, both the guys on each side of Jesus as he's hanging there, both of them fully guilty, fully needing a Savior. We see one guy saying, if you're God, save us. Save me. What are you going to do for me? And we see a response of another guy. Let's go to verse 40 and 42, or 40 and 41. Uh, But the other, the other one, either on his right or left, rebukes the guy that just said this. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. This man is saying, you and I, next to Jesus, we deserve this. We've been found guilty. That is our reality. We did not follow the rules of the land, the laws of the land. We couldn't. We've already been condemned. We are here. But you are over there, and you are saying, God, save me, but we deserve death. This guy's heart. And what he sees in Jesus is beautiful. He fully realizes his condition and of that he needs a savior. And he fully realizes, which is key, 
that that Savior that he needs is Jesus hanging on the cross next to him. So you see his response. We get to verse 42. After he just picked on his friend and said, you missed it. You're missing Jesus right here. He looks and he said to Jesus, this man says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. There's a huge difference between the way these two men responded. The second guy, he says, remember me. Very similar to the first guy, right? But what's the missing component in the second guy's response? Remember me when you come into, what does your Bible say? Your kingdom. God, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This life is not about us. This is life. This life is about the kingdom of God. What he's doing and how he's moving through us, who he is. And this guy on the cross next to Jesus fully realizes it. He says, I'm incapable of being that perfect person. And Jesus, you are capable. You are him. And God, Jesus, please remember me when you go to your kingdom. Church, how many of us live like that? How many of us have a heart posture where the first thing we do is we say, God, this is about you and not about me. We can easily slip into um, a posture or a heart or a lifestyle where it says, Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for dying on the cross. Now, help me do this. Fulfill this. Make yourself small to me. We make this Christian walk about us. Huh. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. Is this our prayer? As we sing this song and as we think about it, God, we take a moment to remember who God is, the power of God, Almighty God. Remember who He is and who we are. Ooh. I've been waiting to get here. Can we move to verse 43? Is that okay? Do we need to shake it up? Do we need to stand up and stretch? Because this is going to be good. Hmm? We good, everyone? All right, here we go. Let's go to verse 43. Can you feel the weight of these words? And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Can you feel the weight of these words? This man is found guilty. He knows that he is guilty. He admits that he is guilty. He admits that he is not adding up. And Jesus turns it and sets him free. As he's hanging on the cross and he's about to die, he is set free. What's he set free from? (laughs) Well, a few things. I had some conversations with a few of you before we even met this morning as you were coming in. And my heart breaks for some of the things that we're experiencing, church, just in our lives, what we go through. This life is hard. Would you agree? There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of hard things that we're walking through right now as individuals. And I'd encourage you, after, after we meet together this morning, find someone. Start talking to them. Find out their story, who they are, what God's doing in their life. What are they struggling with? What are hard things they're going through? Because we, we each, we look at tomorrow, and it might be a little overwhelming, huh? Today might be a little overwhelming. Might it be? We might be sitting here a little exhausted today because of what we've experienced this last week. So what, what is this guy set free from? I'll tell you what he's set free from. He's set free from guilt and shame. Guilt and shame in our life will drive us away from God. I'm going to say this again. Guilt and shame will drive us away from God. How many of you watch TED Talks? Anybody watch TED Talks? Some of you might know what I'm about to say. Brene Brown. Anyone watch Brene Brown? 
Okay, I'll put a link on our Facebook for this. Oh, someone remind me, Christine, remind me. We'll put a link to Brene Brown's talk on TED Talks, but I want to say a couple things about guilt and shame. She's a doctor. She researches this, and I, wa- I watched through it a couple times. I sent it to a couple people. I said, watch this, because guilt and shame drives us. It drives how we live, how we feel, but Brene Brown, as she's talking, she says this, guilt. What is guilt? Guilt says this, I did something bad. That's what guilt is. I I did something bad. Shame is this. I am bad. You see the difference? Guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. Guilt, Guilt says this. I'm sorry I made a mistake. That's guilt. Shame is, I am a mistake. And I want to pause on this, church. As you sit here today, in our human flesh, we move about our day in, we move about our day out. How are you glorifying God in your relationship to guilt and shame today? If guilt says, I am sorry I made a mistake in action, and shame says, I am a mistake, who are we finding our identity in? Shame is unattainable expectations of who we are supposed to be. We get shame when we try to be something that God hasn't designed us to be. And in in essence is this. We get shame when we can't obey every law. Because we are guilty of unattainable expectations, we feel the shame. And when we feel shame... It begins to formulate our identity and who we are. So I want to ask us a question today. What's formulating your identity? Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it doing all of everything perfect? Is it messing up all the time? What drives your identity and who you think that you are? If we are approaching God, church, if we are approaching God in a transactional relationship, If our relationship with God is like a transaction where we carry all the weight of the guilt from our actions of how we're measuring up, of how we're not measuring up, of how we're following the law or we're not, it will leave us distant from God because shame is driving who we are. I'll put the link to the Brene Brown on there as she speaks more about guilt and shame. But I want to ask us as his church as we're coming together. If our identity is found in what we do, that means when we don't achieve tomorrow what we aimed to achieve because we're aiming for an unattainable end, if we don't achieve that very thing, we wake up tomorrow, don't accomplish that, then we feel terrible about who we are, don't we? How many of us find our identity in what we do instead of who we are? And if we find our identity in who we are by what we do, and then we fail, then we try to supplement it with other things because we feel shame. And so in comes drug, in comes sports, in comes abuse, in comes work. We become workaholics. In comes money. We, like, we just need more money to feel better about who we are. In comes travel. We, we disguise uh, our insecurity and our lack of identity by just traveling the world, and, and we get caught up in good deeds. We help a lot of grandmas cross the road because it makes us feel better the next day. Like Our actions drive how we feel, and we're driven by guilt and we're driven by shame. And that is a lie from Satan. The law, we've talked about this before, the law, the Mishnah, could not be kept by anyone. No action or lack of action was enough. And as this man is sitting on the cross, he's hanging on the cross, he was set free. Shame from his actions, from his thievery, from his insurrection, whatever he was on the cross. That guilt of that shame was no longer his identity. Can you feel the weight of these words? The guilty man, shameful of his actions, 
lost in an identity of shame, is hanging on the cross, and now Jesus turns it completely, and he's no longer bound by shame and guilt. Jesus washed over the identity and the failure of this man, and he made him new. Church, we just can't work harder to improve our self-image, who we are. We can't just work harder. We can't just disguise it. We must surrender. We must lower our pride and let his grace cover us. And we, may, we must go to God with a heart posture that says, God, this is your kingdom, not mine. I have a quote that I want to give us as we begin to, to wrap up this morning. By the way, I'm multitasking up here. Trying to give us the words of God, but I'm actually praying for all of us right now. And He'd begin to teach you, He'd begin to show you, He'd begin to restore you, He'd begin to show you how much He loves you. Because Satan's man, He wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. So, church, will you hear this? Here's a quote by a theologian says this Therefore, we are justified when, put to death by the law, We are made alive again in the word of grace promised in Christ. The gospel forgives our sins and we cling to Christ in faith, not doubting in the least that the righteous of Christ is our righteousness. See, Jesus washes over all our guilt and shame. He says, you are impure, now you're pure. You're righteous because of who I am. Romans 3, 21 and 22 says this, but not the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe. We believe on the name of Jesus Christ. We call out to him. His righteousness washes over us. Wave goodbye to guilt and shame. Wave goodbye to guilt and shame. Our identity is not found in our actions anymore. It's found in the identity of Christ. Do you, do, you, do you see the implications this has on our every day? So tomorrow morning when you wake up, uh, and Satan tries to say, hey, you've got to accomplish this to feel better about yourself. Christ followers, we smile and we say, no, my identity is found in who Jesus is. Not by what I can and cannot do, but what he's already done on the cross for me. That's a powerful world, or a powerful word in the world that we live in. This is the good news message. Creation, sin caused fall, and Jesus redeems and restores. This is the good message news message. This is why we are here, church. This is why God has redeemed us to share this message with the world. That's all I got for today. Is that okay? I've got a couple other things, though. We've been going through some really neat things here at Church Project. We asked you uh, last week to pray for us because we're embarking on um, the final steps of being plurality of leadership at Church Project. That means we're going to have elders here at Church Project, that, that are leading this thing all together. And I don't know about you, but there's, there's strength in having plurality of leadership. If it was all on me, we're done. Let's pack up shop. Let's go home. Because some of you think this shirt's blue, and it's not. It's white. So the, the final steps of our, of our eldership process has, has come down to, we, we, uh, we got a, a panel of other pastors in Greeley. We interviewed uh, and, and went through qualifications of what it means to be an elder. Um, we had the other pastors speak into this. And so our final step is this. I'm going to invite um, everybody that, that came and was part, the guys, the men, uh, that was part of those interview process to, process to come on up here, church. And then I'd like to just speak for a minute. So um, potential elders, would you please come up here? Uh, Satan's got to take out a whole lot more people now, wouldn't you agree? Uh, he, could, he could kill a church 
by me, that would be great, would be done. But look at this. This is plurality of leadership. Um, what I would like to do, guys, is I would like to say this, okay? We um, are entering into a process that's a little confusing at times. And the process in the Bible says, um, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and you're going to be led by a plurality of leadership, pastors, overseers, deacons. And these are the men up here that we believe God is called to lead us from this day forward. And so we want you to have a say in this as well. Uh, we want you to, to look at here and, and begin to pray this next week. This is what the process is going to look like. Begin to pray this week that um, God will lead us into next week saying who our elders are up here among these men. And so this is what the process will look like. As you look up here, go through the qualifications in the Bible of what an elder looks like, the qualifications of what they are, who they are. And as you begin to go through those, think, the men that are up here and standing up here right now, do they represent those qualifications? And this, this is what I, this is what I say. Maybe you know them um, specifically. And maybe there's something up here that, that you have, might have a check in with one of these guys. This is what I would ask you to do. Approach them. Talk to them this week. Get to know them. Present your case to them. If, if, you're, if you don't think that they may be qualified to be an elder, then present your case to them one-on-one and see what God may do. That's a biblical way to confront stuff, right? See what God may do in that. If it's big enough that you have a check in your, in your spirit or something that you've got to say to that person, then, then approach them one-on-one. And I'll, I'll even give you an out. If, if it's that big and it's that uncomfortable for you, you can come and talk to me as well. But here's the deal. This week, please be praying for these men up here as we step into the final stages of eldership. And next week, we will stand and we will present who the elders are for our church as we move forward. So point of clarity, pray. If you have something that you would like to say to one of these men, come and say it. Talk to them. Um, If you're not comfortable with that, come and talk to me. And then next week, They'll be standing up here and and we will say, God, thank you for what you're doing and equipping the saints and and, and giving us leaders and elders in this place. And so uh, church right now, just silently, would you pray for these men that are up here? Not out loud, just silently. Would you pray that God would direct us in this as we move to the final stage of eldership? God, continue to build your church and we hold church project loosely. Direct us in who you want to to lead our church. And God, I pray that this week we hear your voice clearly and next week we celebrate as we move forward in, in eldership and plurality of leadership. Thank you for what you're doing here. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you very much. No, not yet. We're doing things weird and different today, and that's all right. Uh, What we just talked about is the gospel message, a message of hope in a world that's full of pain and, and needing answers. It's a beautiful gospel message. And this is what God is doing. He's doing it in our lives. He's, he's done it for, for the creation of eternity, from the beginning, the creation of the beginning. He's going to continue to do it through all eternity. Like this is what God does. This is how he moves. And he moves in us, his church. One of the ways that, that we live out the gospel message, why we're here in Greeley, is that we have ministry partnerships. And these are intentional ministry partnerships. And let me tell you a a few things about our ministry partnerships. Some of you know that International Students Incorporated, ISI, Dave Shelley leads that. Did you know last night, I believe last night, they had a concert? Um, Was it last night, David? A concert, a wonderful concert. Did you get to go to that? Did you get to pray for that? Church, like we we are partnering with these ministry partnerships. We want to be active. We want to pray with them. We want to walk with them. Um, ISI had 
had that concert last night. Crew uh, on, on the campus of UNC, they had their Thursday rally. I don't know what that's called, Josh. What's that called? Th- crew? What? Crew? You had a meeting? I like... Oh, that is cool. Do you pray for crew, church? Are we, are we supporting crew? Like, I, I want you to know, we want you to know who our ministry partners are. Um, Young Life, uh, I didn't get to go, but Thursday there was the family dinner, right? That family club? I don't know all these lingo terms, but 50 people. I was like, free Chick-fil-A, I missed that. Like, come on. But Chris is doing incredible things um, with, with, with that ministry. Do you know that Youth for Christ, last, last night, was it last, Friday night, there's a skate thing? I don't know all these lingos. But every Friday, you guys meet, you do wonderful things. But not only that, Keith took 10, 10 people to, to a conference just this week. Like, do you know what God is doing in the church at large? Like, he's doing incredible things. Dayspring, we're, minute, we're, we're partnering with Dayspring here. Well, it's a school. I don't need to tell you what's going on at Dayspring. You should know what's going on at Dayspring with all the kids that are coming through here and learning about God and who he is and intersecting that with, with education. Are you praying for our teachers here? What did I say wrong? What? Everyone over here is smiling. What? Okay, we'll keep moving. Um, but I also want to introduce you to, to something, um, and, and we're taking our first mission trip to Haiti, and um, here's what I want you to know about our ministry partnerships. Like, we prayerfully partner with and support several ministries, the ones that, that I just mentioned right now, both locally and internationally, and each, each month, we highlight one of those ministries so that you can become familiar with them so that you can meet the leaders, you can pray over them, you can learn how to get connected with them, you can get involved with them. And what's so important to know, church, hear this. It's important to know that you are already supporting each of these ministries through the tithes and offerings that you already give. Like we're going to continue to watch money come in through our tithes and offerings and we're going to turn it right back out. We're not going to consume our own fruits. We want to give more and more of that money away to ministries that are killing it. Krista, you're killing it. Like the ministries out here are killing it. And that's awesome. That's a good thing. This is how we partner with ministry partnerships. So I'm going to introduce you to Christina Harding our ministry partnership director. She's doing an incredible job. And Weston, where's your mic that that we can use? Over here. Um, And I would like Christina to talk about the ministry highlight that that we are, or a ministry partnership that we're highlighting this year. And do we want to invite everyone up now or later? If If you're going to Haiti, come on up here. Should we clap or something? What do you think?
Thank you, Christina. Church, uh, I would I would like us to pray for this this crew right here because uh, we leave in just next week. We leave for Haiti. So uh, if you would just silently pray for us, um, and then I'll, I'll pray for us as we close up here. God, we're humbled that you would uh, put this gospel message in us, that we could carry it out of this room to Greeley, northern Colorado, and beyond. I pray for the the group of people that are standing up here right now as as we head off to Haiti in just a short while. God, I pray that we would represent your love, that we would speak your love, that we would serve as you would serve, that we would have your eyes. And God, we would, we would come back changed, just on fire for what you're doing in, in us and in the, in the world beyond. We thank you for your church at large. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Pray for protection for our crew, our team. And I do pray, God, that we each come back changed. That we will have seen the same message in a different context. And we'll still see how much hope was interjected into the daily lives of of humans. God, thank you for your saving power and your redeeming power in each and every one of us. Thank you for the honor it is to just go as a team to Haiti. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Yeah, Jeremy, now you can come on up. That's fine. A little longer than normal and I don't care. Here's the deal. We're going to be real. We're going to move together as a church. And we hope that this message today, that God was just moving in your heart and that you were there. You, like in that story, you were there. Hanging on the cross with Jesus next to you. And you felt the pain. You felt the guilt. You felt the shame. And you saw hope right next to you. You saw a Savior right next to you. That's us every single day, church. This is in our kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. It's us moving in what he's already doing in our life. So I'm going to ask us just to spend a time in reflecting and, and worshiping God in this place. And so if you would, just close your Bibles and um, open your heart. If you would, you, this is a great time to reflect on who God is. You just close your eyes and just hold out your hands in a posture of surrender, saying, God, here's my life. I want to give you everything. The guilt, the shame, the things that drives me, I want to give you all that right now. And I also want to receive who you are. Show me who you are, God, in this place. Like, I I have questions about who you are, God, so I'm just silently sitting here saying, reveal yourself to me. Church, His Holy Spirit is pursuing us. He's pursuing us. He loves us. The world's trying to drag us down. Fill us full of shame, guilt. Put so many loads on us that we can't carry them. That we crash under those. And the gospel message, the love of Christ, hanging on the cross, dying for us, interjecting hope, saying, yeah, you can't carry that load. Let me take it. Church, when we get to see the love of who God is, we get to see his heart. I only know of one way to respond to a God like that, a loving God like that, and that is to say, God, not my kingdom, but yours. So in this place this morning, I don't know how God is moving in you, but maybe uh, in this place you need to just say, God, here is the guilt, the shame, the load I'm carrying. It's everything. Uh, it's, it's in your hands. Please take this. I can't. Maybe it's, God, in this place, I'm, I'm coming to know who you are. I know you're pursuing me. And God, I give you control of my life because right now it's not working trying to do life on my own. Like the Jesus I read about in the scripture today, that loving Jesus, I want to know more of him.
So in this place, just cry out to him, just call out to him, say, God, show me who you are and I want to surrender control of my life to you. May it be your kingdom, not mine. So let's worship him here this morning. Maybe it's sitting like Weston said and writing prayer requests or on your response card or reflecting on who God is just silently. Maybe it's standing up and lifting your hands and saying, God, here's my life. I worship you, your kingdom. Maybe it's going and retrieving your kid from Project Kids and coming back as a family and worshiping together. Maybe it's taking communion and that's on the back right where you can take a piece of cracker and dip it in the grape juice that represents his body and blood that was broken to cover all the guilt and all the shame. And we celebrate communion remembering what God has done for us. And how that felt and how that feels to break those chains. Maybe you worship him through your tithes and offerings on either side. Maybe you worship him by sitting silently or standing. But church, let's worship God. Let's call out to him in this place. If you would, let's stand. I'd like to pray over you and we'll continue worshiping. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your amazing message of hope and love, joy and peace. God, we want more of you. Continue to move and speak in our life in this morning. Your kingdom, not ours, Lord.